What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room, the official podcast of AOTG.com, and I'm your host, Gordon Burkell, and this episode, we're going to be talking to Lane Farnham and Jody McVeigh-Schultz about their work on McMillions, the latest documentary on HBO about the fraud in McDonald's Monopoly game. Now, of course, if you enjoy our show, you're going to want to check out FilmmakerU.com at FilmmakerU.com. You get to learn from the top people in the industry. Check it out at FilmmakerU.com, and if you use AOTG, you'll get 10% off. Now, with all that said, here's my interview with Lane and Jody. How did you get involved with it? So, uh, Brian Lazarte is actually, for a long time, was a doc editor, and he'd done a bunch of Sundance docs. And way back in the day, we worked on a reality show together, and I think we both kind of like, you know, we're kind of like-minded editors. We both want to be working on kind of more elevated stuff. And so we kept in touch and had tried to work together a couple of times and it hadn't worked out. And then, yeah, he was like, hey, uh, we have this like top secret project. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like in the process of being picked up by somebody huge. And so he told me the story and it's funny. I think I had even just like in passing heard about this big article that had dropped on the Daily Beast that detailed a lot of it. It was like a real long form. And it's funny, it turned out that the article was like written with the express intent of like getting a huge movie deal out of it, which a lot of long form articles, I think they don't pay journalists anymore. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> your pay is a possible movie option. But so he was like, yeah, go, go ahead and um, you know read the article, but we have a ton more and we have all these rights to people's stories and the FBI angle. And so he like laid out in a really long phone call, just like, what it was and it was one of those things where like even on a phone call you're like there's 20 twists and turns in this that you've already like explained and it's clearly an insane story um and he said that their characters were really good which is kind of key like you can have a really good uh story but the characters need to be a little insane well the fbi agent i thought was fantastic <laughs> yeah <laughs> My personal favorite is Robin Columba. I don't know, Lane, yeah. who you would... Uh, I, AJ Glum <laughs> yeah. is my favorite. He's just so cool and charming. He's so honest about everything. Yeah. He doesn't... He's not going to... Like, I love Robin. And I love Robin yeah. and Frank back-to-back. Back. Like, in, in uh, episode three, we just go back and forth. And they're both like, they're the worst person ever. And then you cut to the <laughs> other person. They're like, they're the worst person ever. And they just play <laughs> off each other. So they're great, yeah. but like, you never can, you, you don't want to take them, you got to take them with a grain of salt, I guess. But where AJ is just, he doesn't give a shit. He is going <laughs> to be honest. He's going to yeah. tell you everything he did and all the details. Um, he was yeah, pretty much just like, I'm not going to rat on my friends <laughs> any more than, no, he didn't, he didn't uh, cooperate at all. So he was like, but I'll show you all the documents. You just can't like, you know, you have to blur out the names of my friends or whatever. But he was just like, he's that guy who's like still living in the 70s in his mind, I think. Yeah, he's the kind of guy that has zero skeletons in the closet. You know what I mean? They're, they're all just, out of the closet. Yeah, he doesn't care. Um, but but back to what Jody was saying about the story. <laughs> the the story is 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 somewhat straightforward. You know, it's a guy who steals some game pieces and then he sells them and there's a little scandal and he gets caught. But like, because the characters 
are bananas because and almost every character we had is a phenomenal storyteller because those elements all build up it's like the story just like just multiplies you got the donnie brasco story you got these like gangster ish people then you got the the mormon hustling you know (laughs) behind the scenes is you got like it's just every bit of the story is amplified it's everything is just it takes a shot of a steroid or something it's it's crazy so jody you you started what like how far along did you work on this and then how did you bring in lane they had had three editors from the very beginning um it was me lane and scott evans um and me and lane just ended up finishing the episodes alongside um, a couple other editors and then brian did a bunch of editing towards the end what's interesting is i think as editors i think both brian and james have been they're the showrunners they've been editors in the past and so they came in with like a very specific idea for the macro story stuff they knew they wanted to slow play sort of what you knew about the case and i do think there's a lot of entertaining people once you introduce the colombos like what lane was saying about you know the mormon all these people and i think there was definitely you know pressure on them to like front load some of that even i like saw they did like a pretty full string out of the first episode that i watched my first day and even i was like maybe we throw some of this crazy stuff up front and they were like slow burn slow burn which i appreciate like they they knew exactly what they wanted and they knew that they wanted you to know what the fbi knew at first and to really like not know all the details and then to slowly unravel piece by piece so that each time a new detail came out, you're like, whoa, really? And I think even there are some moments that are completely real where they're in the field and somebody says something completely insane. Like Robin's like, yeah, Jer- Uncle Jerry, like the guy her husband was working with, asked me to marry him. You're like, what? Like, and it's Robin. So you're like, I have no idea if what you're saying is true. And they were really sort of flabbergasted by this stuff. So... I think they wanted to preserve that feeling for the audience, which I appreciated. But then it means you have to be very specific about like, okay, this episode is when these people come in, this episode. And it's then got a, I think Lane dealt with this a ton. Even as you ship perspectives, you still feel like you are in the FBI's shoes and you're learning things as they learn them. So they have to stay alive. So even when it's not necessarily their story, we have to keep coming back to them, hearing their perspectives. And that was that's tricky because it's like, you know, you don't want to stop down for that stuff. You want to keep the momentum going, but you know, you have to weave them in because they are your eyes almost. Speaking of that, like maybe Lane, you can give us some insight into this. One of the struggles with documentaries would be, you know, transitioning from scene to scene or from moment to moment, you know, in a scripted film or show that's written into the script, right? Like here, we're going to do this and it's going to match here and it'll look nice. So how did you guys tackle finding those transitions or ways of getting from moment to moment? Right. Uh, well, like Jody said, the the directors, James and Brian, they knew the story they wanted to tell. And that was pretty much intact through throughout the edit. And it's it's this part is what, is what we really had a, a, a difficulty with because you had these tones, these tremendous tone shifts it wasn't easy because uh you know episode three takes a dramatic turn the first two episodes are, are 
to say cavalier is not the right term, but like they're fun, they're funny, and the tone is very, the stakes are low, it's, it's, it's funny. And then th episodes three and four, they just turn. And, you know, you have to balance this. But what the directors did was, like Jody just said, like we set up everything through their eyes. So they're, they're the ones in 2001 learning about it. So we're kind of learning about it with them, even though we're going back in time to tell the, uh, each individual story. Just weaving, weaving that is, it's, it's not easy. Giving too much was a problem a lot. So we just had to like let, let it go and see how much is there and then just trim back a little bit to make sure that it doesn't like fall off the rails. Lane, you could talk about, so like we did a test screening kind of once we had several episodes in a place where they were watchable. I think one of the things we learned and oftentimes the test screening is helpful because you don't see the forest for the trees as an editor, you know the material so well that it's hard to see where something will be confusing. And one of the huge notes was just like, we don't know when we, we are in the story because we are jumping from 2001 when they're investigating to, and we're talking to people current day. And then the FBI is investigating stuff that happened in the nineties. Like we did this whole kind of date thing where we kept coming back. But like one of the things that Lane was doing in episode three, um, which was the Emmy nominated episode, which we did not win an Emmy. For. Uh, <laughs> but uh, one of the things we, did was like you're talking about a couple different storylines. So there's a Columbo storyline about opening the fuzzy bunny. And then there's the storyline of Gloria, who is one of the winners, who is conscripted by Jerry Columbo to be one of the winners. And then there's the FBI investigating both of those things. And they're all happening on kind of different timelines. And so, sure, yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you were intercutting um, those. Yeah. So, yeah. So we start with the FBI because they are like Jody said, we're, we front loaded their story. So it's their perspective and we, we we're following them as they interview Gloria. So we're, we're getting this, this perception of Gloria being like, you know, like she's just like hiding something and she's, you know, she's not really engaging with them and they're just like, you know, they, they, they think she's just this lying, cheating criminal. We lead into the Columbo story, which we introduced in episode two. So now we're back in 1995, 90, 1995. So then we're telling Columbo and then we get all the way up to the problem that, that Robin had is that, you know, they're, they're not spreading around this, these, these winnings they are being stupid. And she's like, I have a friend. Then we go to Gloria, which is 97. What I was doing originally, we had these big titles in the year and I had like music from, you know, 1995, 1997. Obviously, we didn't use those needle drops, but that just set the tone. Um, How many needle drops? Were you oh trying? my god! Oh, it was like a, a radio, right? Didn't we try? You tried out like a yeah, because I had like, I had the the FBI sitting in the car listening to the radio, and then I had Jerry Jacobson driving uh, in a to meet Frank. Or, or, or Jerry Jacobson's meeting Jerry Colombo and they're in the car. So I had all this radio, like the radio was our, you know, our time stamp essentially. So we started 2001, we go back to two, uh, 1995 and then we go skip forward to 97. And then by the end of the episode, we're back to 2001 with the FBI looking back at their investigation. And then we fast forward to present day and the FBI reflecting on everything at the end. 
So it, it's, it's a lot of time travel and it was, it was difficult. Uh, one, of, one of the things that was disappointing is we weren't able to, in the end of episode two, we had a needle drop, which Scott Evans cut. And he, it, was, uh, it started the episode and then ended the episode. I think it was Fantastic Voyage, which we didn't get. And we had a bunch of stock footage that we, that we weren't able to do. It still, it works really well, but like it had such a different feel with that old needle drop. But it's you know, interesting as you have to kill your darlings. When, yeah, yeah. You know, the budget sort of rubber meets the road kind of thing. Well, you mentioned like, um, you mentioned the tone changes from the first two episodes to the others, but you also sort of mentioned that radio being one of the stylistic approaches. And I noticed that in the first two episodes, it was a lot more fun playing off the FBI agent and how much of the style of this show was brought in before you guys joined or was determined before you joined versus how much were you able to bring in? Like what were some of the elements you were able to bring into the show? I think a lot of it was, was Jody cut the, cut the first episode. And I think he, he was creating the blueprint as he was going. I don't know when I, when I started episode three, obviously that's a completely different tone. So I had to cut it different from the first two, but I was trying not to stray from the format, but Jody established the tone from cutting episode one. What was the blueprint, Jody? Yeah, I think for episode one, it was very clear that Doug Matthews is a crazy, hilarious person. And he's unlike any FBI agent that I think anyone has seen. Um, so it was just so clear that like he should be the lead storyteller. We should accentuate all these insane moments where he's just like making this investigation sound fun, ridiculous, you know, he's undercutting his own team sometimes and begging to go undercover. But what's interesting is, and I think in a good edit situation, you're given this leash that once, so we kind of did one, two, and three separately. I think we were all watching cuts, like obviously Lane watched one and wherever two was when he came in and started. But there was this leash to like, go do three in the style that makes sense to you. And then we found ways to put some of the style of like, even just like edit style of like, we do a lot of um, split screen and like kind of montaging as transitional elements. And then Brian and James, I think worked with Lane to like put some of that into three. But I think what's good about it is that three was so different because it's required to be different because it's a shift in the tone of the series from like, what a fun zany thing to like, wow, there are real emotional consequences where people's lives were ruined. And like, it's not a victimless crime. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's the victims aren't the people you necessarily thought they would be that somebody who was actually involved in breaking the law, like could have been a victim here. And that we talked about the first three operating as like their own little like, show. Like, yeah, like the I think the first three worked together in the last three. And, the, and once you get to three, you start to realize, oh, we're gonna get into this sort of heavier stuff. And then George, the kind of farmer guy, just piggybacks on that he's he's also like you know his life was ruined in a certain way you talk about the characters and you've mentioned you know your favorite characters was there anyone that was interviewed or brought in that you thought was really interesting that but you had to cut them because it just didn't work for the show 
there were only a couple people who were cut completely and that's because they had they were interviewed before we started they started shooting them on like the better cameras and the audio quality wasn't great and the stories were told by other people like a couple fbi agents didn't make it um, because they just weren't providing information that was different from the other stuff we had there was one that i think was like maybe on the table to go interview this guy there was one more guy they did um an fbi sting of and they had a story of it but we didn't have the footage so that again like to me the reason why this show works is you have this insane archival (laughs) where it's like just crazy with michael hoover and everybody else as well um so they had this guy that they didn't I guess like the footage had been deleted. I'm not sure how it went down, but he, they brought like this confetti cannon um, and they (laughs) did it like in his house. And, and like, I think they went in and the way Doug Matthews told it was like something like um, his wife was like very cleanly. And he, he was like, yeah, as long as you guys don't make a mess, it's fine. Like they all took off their shoes when they went in and then they just like, blasted this confetti cannon and it was like well, in their well, chandelier but yeah the, the story the story was that um that okay so they they roll up and the guy runs out of his house and oh so that's they're, right they're they're like oh right. these guys are fbi agents they're 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 ready for danger and they're like should we grab a gun and he's like hey guys just just so you know take off your shoes be careful my my wife's really clean and she doesn't want you guys in here but you know i allowed you guys in here just for a little bit but just be very careful and they're like okay so they, they go in, they conduct the, the, the interview, and Doug's narrating the majority of the story, and he's very animated. He's hilarious, and he's just like, you know, every time I set down a soda without a coaster, I'd get the evil eye. <laughs> and, and so he's building this tension, like this wife, this guy's wife is just like, get out of my house. And so this is the final interview that they need to do. And so Doug has Amy grab this little, um, you know, little confetti popper. And so he's like, all right, grab the confetti popper. It turns out she grabbed the confetti popper for a stadium, <laughs> not, not a little handheld thing. So it blew up in there. It was a two-story house. It blew up everywhere. And he said for five, six, seven seconds, it was raining confetti. <laughs> and this lady was flipping out. So they're like, oh, sorry. Okay, congratulations. We got to go. And they left. And so the next like three days, they had the wiretaps and they were listening to this guy calling all, you know, AJ Glum and everybody. And he, and in the background for three days, you could hear the vacuum cleaner just vacuuming constantly. Cause this poor lady has to clean up a stadium's <laughs> worth of confetti and Doug telling it is hilarious. And he's blaming yeah. Amy. And we had Amy on the, uh, the other interview, like just feeling terrible because you know, she just grabbed a confetti popper. Yeah, and she's not. She's part of McDonald's, right? She's not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just this is her regular gig. Yeah, exactly. It's it's interesting with stuff like that. Like you you know it's great, but the question is like, does it fit for for one? And also like, if you don't have let's say the archival for it, like how well can it be done? Can it be done with only recreate? And so it was just kind of an ongoing discussion. What would you say was the most challenging part? of the series to edit and why do you think that was there's a yeah there were there were a lot of little challenging elements obviously the tone shifts which we were talking about a second ago um the other thing are the the asides essentially 
we have the the FBI kind of go off on little tangents and directors James and Brian wanted that because it's kind of like this is how the sausage is made most people think of the FBI as like a James Bond film or you know some like action so we don't really have a concept of how the FBI does anything so we let them kind of you know meander off in these little stories and and the, the kind of the criminal element too we kind of let them just kind of go onto these little tangents but like trimming that back is is the hardest thing because you can't like like a lot like a little goes a long way so like having that balance and um same with doug doug's great but if you if you let him say two more words sometimes it ruins his whole bit so you have to really you have to really balance how much you say because you don't want to oversaturate um the show with with one story or too much comedy or too too much sadness or drama what do you think, Jody? Yeah, I, I definitely think the like letting people go down these bizarre left turns that are just hilarious and specific and give the show its uniqueness while also maintaining the pacing. It was like an ongoing feel the entire time. And we definitely like allow stuff to play out in ways that I think other docs don't. It's always like, no, keep going story, story, story. And we put in those details because it, you know, it's just so unique. The thing, the other thing that was challenging that was just like an ongoing process, which is like, there's a lot of recre in this. And it's hard to, when you're super early on, know how that's going to play. So, you know, at the very beginning, it's a bunch of title cards. We actually worked with a storyboard artist who was incredible, who, you know, like took us to a place where we could like feel visual and pacing. Um, and then obviously they went out and shot for, a long months almost. yeah yeah i think it was i forget i think it was like 20 something days and you know provided us with all this amazing footage and so yeah that was like an ongoing process and you don't know what it's going to feel like until you have it so at each point we're just trying to get the best sort of jump on what it might end up looking like um so you can edit the show accordingly now i have one complaint for the show and it's not your fault it's the fbi's and that is i hated the name they chose for their operation <laughs> it was like they had like operation unhappy meal and all this stuff and then they're like oh yeah operation you know final it's, choice or whatever it was. it's funny i think they have like these water cooler moments where they're like let's call it like operation like stinky fries or whatever and then like there's always like a guy in charge who's like what are you guys doing <laughs> like no we're not gonna call it that so there's always like these guys having fun at the fbi and then someone in charge who has to rein them in and make sure they don't do the funnest uh, operation name i do love though that they had like an actual tagline for their production company yeah and like a name for their production company i thought that was funny was there any operation names that you heard that you felt were really good because you listed a few in the show, but were there others? Absolutely like, not. No, I'm just the, the ham, what was it? Operation Hamburglar or something like that? Yeah. I don't know. Probably can't be like disparaging of the company <laughs> you're trying to like sort of help figure out who's been defrauding them. So <laughs> There's a lot of sound work in this show. So how do you guys like to work as editors with building your sound design? for the directors especially since a lot of it's going to be temp and disappear joe i mean jody was nominated as part of uh 
also sound mixing or uh, sound editing uh, and or music editing. editing. Oh, it was music. Yeah, <laughs> well, it was <laughs> part of the part of the sound team. Both Lane and I edited a lot of score where we had an agreement that our composer, who gave us just like a ton of really awesome cues, but like was not slated to go through and compose new things for every single spot. So we, she gave us stems. Both me and Lane did a ton of like reworking things, which I actually like having sort of themes that come in and out um, with different instrumentation. I think any editor in this sort of situation puts in a lot of temp effects just to build the world. Well, I mean, like, like, like sorry to I, cut you off, Jody. No, 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 do like, it, yeah. Jody, Jody was saying like, they didn't shoot a lot of verite. I mean, they, they shot some and that was always intended to be in episodes four, five, and six. But the first three episodes, there wasn't a lot of verite. So we just had, like Jody said, we had a storyboard artist, but the, even that came later. So we would just cut the interviews with slates and we had to make these slates come alive. How do you, how do you have 10 seconds of silence in between this, this dialogue, this narration? We just like had to create these environments. So we just went through every time we had a big slate because, you know, we're guessing at what they're shooting at that point. So we would, you know, I think Scott's idea was to put like, kind of like a script heading, like exterior, Columbo house, mm -hmm. and like the description. So, you know, you have the exterior, you have traffic, you have just background noises, and we just had to create this world. And that didn't change too much when we cut in the actual footage, because a lot of it was appropriate. I mean, obviously, you can't have you shape it. But yeah, it's, it's it's still the same like effects in a lot of ways. Um, it's funny for me, I'd done dialogue editing on Big Mouth um, before this. And there was a lot of similarities in terms of like you're building stuff that is not made yet. And so you have to sell the world with sound effects. Lane, you, you should talk about the Gloria um, turning in her piece scene. Cause that's like an, it's a feat of sound editing oh, that is right. just epic. That was, that, was yeah. a, that was difficult. So when Gloria goes into the McDonald's and turns in her piece and she sits and waits, we didn't have anything. We had no like idea. And I'm just, you know, racking my brain. Like, what do we want to do? Do we, we just have to build this tension? So I got this, I found this track. I don't remember what the track was, but it was a kind of a monotonous, track just like boom 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 and so i made like each of those hits like a mcdonald's sound effect so i recreated that track with mcdonald's like you know soda machine ice crunches fries uh you know the speaker like you know these like all these random sounds you'd hear in mcdonald's and it was kind of this big rhythmic loop and it just built and built. And, uh, you know, the first iteration was bizarre because you just have a slate. Gloria looks nervous, looks nervously while she sits for her ticket. And it's like 30 seconds long. <laughs> it's just sitting there and it's just building and building and building. So then once we finally get the footage, the idea is already cemented in our head. So we get to, you know, we get these shots, we get her eyes looking around, we get all this tension. And our composer created a beautiful track for that moment. And it was great. I think, um, you know, when I got the footage, it, 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 it didn't cut together at first and I had to manipulate some things. And then 
Jody actually took a crack at it and changed two shots. And I'm like, now it works. Thank you, Jody. Thank you. <laughs> and it just, yeah, no, it's, uh, that was, that was a lot of fun, but it was, it was a, like a full day of just creating a song out of French fries and ice cubes, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> I remember there was a moment where I feel like, uh, one of our showrunners, James is like very sensitive to like, gross crunching noises and he was like ah, ah. <laughs> and we're like it's part of the rhythm of the scene like, all right just turn down the crunch and then lane would be like i don't know that crunch needs to go so up and you need the you need the catch-up squirt right here <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> okay i have one last question for you guys and jody i've already asked you this with our previous interviews what would you say is your favorite guilty pleasure films to watch guilty pleasure interesting like how you mean like i don't love them but like usually people are like oh guilty pleasure means you know it's it's an embarrassment that you don't want to tell people about i I see i know what it means i I, can go i was gonna say i say it i say it you know it's on tv and you're like yeah whatever i'll just watch it yeah yeah i say all the fast and the furious canon (laughs) i cannot look away it's it's so they, they are so well done like they're phenomenally well edited the sound the vfx like it's amazing but they're so corny and i just i love it like i cannot look away from the fast and furious the total canon even the hobbs and shaw phenomenal it's yeah. like people don't give them credit they are so well done they're just they're just cheesy <laughs> like you know the cheese factor may, makes them lose all credibility but they are so well done i love them i could watch them all day i think i'm gonna do that for the rest of the day actually (laughs) what about yourself jody so i have no guilty pleasures all correct and proper pleasures now uh i I would say i don't know if this is uh perfect a perfect answer but it comes to mind for me tiger king was like eating candy and i was like (laughs) I just want more. And so like, I, we just binged it, me and my wife. And it was just literally like, and I think it's well made, but it's also, you're watching it because it's insane. And like, there's like these salacious parts. So that was my interview with Lane Farnham and Jody McVeigh Schultz. I'd like to thank Lane and Jody for setting this up with me and joining me for this talk. I'd also like to thank Evan Winch for cutting this episode. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.